0: Morning and good coffee. Hi, everybody. This is Morning Coffee with Larry, and today is the first day of summer, June twenty first, two thousand nineteen. It always seems strange that you you kind of have the first day of summer in the kind of in the middle of summer, but I understand what it comes from. It's the uh, what do they call it, the summer solstice. But uh, welcome to it. Welcome to the first day of summer. Now, I'm always kind of glad to say that my birthday is on the first full day of summer, which is tomorrow. And uh, that it's a day that has the longest amount of daylight. So my birthday's longer than nearly anybody else's. But that's just the little kid in me coming out and saying, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, it is... Goodness, it's after 6 o'clock. I did not want to get up. The alarm went off at 4, and I fought it and fought it and fought it. And Now my poor wife is doing chores out there by herself. But I'll be joining her shortly after I'm done with the podcast today. Oh, the coffee's good, though. The coffee's good. (laughs) Oh, but, yeah, and looking at the weather, we're supposed to have thunderstorms today, thunderstorms tomorrow, thunderstorms on Sunday, thunderstorms on Monday. It, you know, the the water in the ditches is starting to get a little too low, so we got to have some more. I'm just thankful so far the river hasn't gone out where we're at because that's where I've got a whole bunch of corn and I I kind of want to to keep the corn growing and keep it alive and not getting washed out. If you hear, I don't know if you can hear, there's a little squeaking sound periodically in the background. That's our uh, Great Pyrenees puppy, uh, Roscoe. He's, goodness, he's, how old is he now? He's about close to seven months old, but he found his squeak toy. So, that's just him in the background. (laughs) Oh, well, I, I have to share a little frustration yesterday. I had ordered a microphone. Uh, through Amazon. Did I talk about this yesterday already? Anyway, the update, I think I did. The update is um, I spent some time kind of trying to figure out how to uh, get a hold of them, uh, Amazon, uh, because I was reading some comments from other people that had purchased. Apparently, I think this is a scam. Uh They have a a zero rating by over 90% of the people who have purchased an item from them because they don't deliver. Uh, They're not sending it out. Uh, So I think I got duped. Uh, So we'll we'll see. I have to go through the process with Amazon. We'll see if Amazon honors the fact that they listed somebody who was uh, uh, very likely scamming the buyers. So I wound up ordering another microphone, and I got one of those little ring lights uh, to kind of light up your face if you're doing, a, you know, like a, a YouTube live or a Facebook live or something like that. And maybe I'll, maybe if I'm feeling uh, like I can get up and move around and get somewhat put together in the morning, I may do some. Like some Facebook lives with this podcast, uh, we'll just see. We'll just see. The price was right, and and uh, they've actually been shipped, and they should be here today. So, I like that. It's uh, it's not a. Uh, uh, it doesn't look like it's a scam, but oh well. Uh, one the thing I wanted to talk about today was passion projects. Have you ever had? Or, or implemented, or maybe even worked on somebody else's passion project. I mean, there's a lot of neat, fun projects to do. Uh, a lot of things we may be involved in. I remember several years ago, I had a co-worker who was very passionate about Relay for Life and raising funds for cancer research. And you know, I could just ride on the wave of her passion for this, and she headed up a team that we had in hospice, which I was working for at that time. And so we uh, uh, we decided that night of Relay for Life we were going to be selling lemon shakeups, and it was a lot of fun. And she coordinated uh, our team for several years. Um, you know, if you've never done a Relay for Life, it's, it's a pretty neat event. And if you have, you know what I'm talking about. And I think we raised over $1,000 that night selling um, the Lemon Shakeups. But the you know it was a neat thing, and yes, uh, you can feel the passion. But that wasn't my passion project. That was me joining in on someone else's, and I felt very good. We did a good thing, you know, for a good cause. Uh, and my wife has has uh, been uh, having her Girl Scout troop help with uh, Relay for Life for several years, uh, but those aren't necessarily the same kind of passion projects that I have because a passion project to me really it's it, it ties into something with a much deeper meaning for the individual who's doing it. Again, there's a lot of fun things, but a passion project really runs deep. And some passion projects may be... Um, a, lim- a, a very time limited project or it may be something very out very ongoing. Uh, I would say that my wife definitely has a strong passion for Girl Scouts and it is something wow. that she really gets into and it ties to a much deeper meaning. And while she is uh, kind of in a process of transitioning out of many of the different activities to kind of go into a different phase, of, of our lives i think she uh, very much will maintain that passion for girl scouting and will' probably have her hands in some sort of an activity on an ongoing basis um, i've had different passion projects and and uh, and strong passions over the years uh, for many of you who know me i'm uh, kind of on the side known as larry the bee guy Uh, Because uh, back in 2010, I guess it was, yeah, um, I got into beekeeping. And there's a lot of people that get into different hobbies, but this really went down deep for many different reasons. Uh, But it it was a lot of fun. It has been a lot of fun. Sometimes I'm more into it than others, but... I think one of the things that kind of makes a passion project or a a strong passion um, more, uh, you know, as a way of knowing whether it is or not is if you've been away from it for a while, for whatever the reason, if the topic comes up, you feel that energy stirring up inside of you again. You feel it, you know, getting, you know, swelling up. And that passion's right there. That excitement is right there. And the next thing you know, you may be jump-starting it again and doing something, you know, more with it. You know, right now bees have t- gone on the uh, the back burner. Unfortunately, too far on the back burner. Um, I've been neglecting my hives this year, as I, I think I mentioned it, you know, a few days ago in the podcast. And I just I had taken some pictures in one of the hives uh, because things were not looking right. And I sent it off to uh, a good friend of mine, Eleanor, who is a uh, bee inspector for the state of Illinois. I said, what's going on in this hive? This doesn't look right. These, there's something wrong. And uh, she said, I need to get an inspector out there to look at that hive. Uh, she thinks it's a, a disease called European fowl brood. Which is definitely better than American foul brood. That's you. You gotta you gotta destroy your hives if if it's that. This can be addressed and treated. But you know, when if somebody starts asking me questions though about bees, that energy comes back. And it's been more than just keeping bees. Uh, you know that passion turned into several projects—some short-term, some long-term. I started our local bee club uh, that first year, and it continues. And that is, you know, uh, an ongoing passion project. I have spoken to different schools. Uh, I've had uh, teachers through Ag in the classroom come out. Just variety of different things when that. Passion is there. The Boy Scout movement is also a passion. Uh, I have been involved in it, uh, actively involved for the majority of my life. Uh, right now, I'm taking a break from it for doing some other things. But if somebody starts me on the conversation, boom, that passion is there. You know, another uh, passion that I want to, you know, just mention or talk a little bit about uh, more than just mention is hospice and terminal illness. Um, during the, the first half of my life, I guess I would say, I did not have a good relationship with death. It was something that w- I was very uncomfortable about. Um, I saw and felt the distress of other people when things were, you know, either somebody was, you know, very ill, end of life, or somebody had passed away. And then I had a unique opportunity that I took for no good logical reason, (laughs) and I started work in the hospice field. And I became comfortable around this uncomfortable topic, and I worked with many, many families and with many, many hospice patients, helping them have good quality, time at the end of their life. You know, some people equate hospice with uh, euthanasia. No, it's not. It should not be. <clears throat> you know, whenever I was uh, in it, uh, the whole Jack Kevorkian assisted suicide thing was going on. And, you know, we were all very passionately opposed to that because there's so much positive growth and learning and and things to experience at all parts of life, but especially at the end part of life. You know, it's, anyway, uh, it developed into a passion. And if somebody brings up that topic now, uh, you know, it's right there. It's very close under the surface, even though I'm not actively working in and have not worked in it for, for several years. But, I worked. I did a passion project um, in that field several years ago. I, I wrote a book titled "We Need to Talk: uh, A Practical Guide for Those Facing Terminal Illness," and it was a guide for hospice patients as well as families. and And I self published it, and it was utilized in our hospice organization on a on a on you know ongoing basis. Several nursing homes purchased it. Some other hospices did as well. And then I had people purchasing it over the internet, but it was, and so I sold somewhere between probably 3,000 and 3,500 copies. And I still have a few cases left in, in storage, but you know, a, a few years ago, it stirred again when my dad, um, uh, developed, uh, stage four cancer and eventually went into hospice and working, you know, as a family member to serve my dad, trying to stay out of the role of a hospice social worker, but being the son and, and seeing things from that perspective, taking into account what I had experienced before professionally. Well, for whatever reason, the, uh, the passion started stirring again, and it prompted another passion project. And I guess I'm kind of tickled to announce that the passion project is is now at a new stage. Uh, What it is, is I I went back and I revisited uh, the book that I had written, and I was wondering, does it still apply? It's a few years old, but does it still apply and as I sat down and I read it, and it's not a huge book. It's not a novel or anything like that. It's, it's probably around, I'm going to guess, 85, 90 pages. And everything that I read really does still apply. It wasn't based on fad kinds of things. It was, it was, it was kind of timeless uh, topics regarding the, uh, the, ca- the comfort care for people uh, that are terminally ill, as well as those who are caring for them and loving them. And I thought, over the year, I mean, the book was ve- it is very comprehensive, but there's other things that I really didn't get into in that book. And so I started work on putting together a bigger package, something that families would be able to Uh, if they're out there looking for information that they would be able to get and it would give them the information so that they would not be distressed. They wouldn't make the mistakes that they would regret later. They would have a more accurate understanding that the areas that they were uncomfortable with, that they would be better informed and have better ideas of what to do regarding uh, all the different end-of-life and grief decisions that they would be making. And so what I did was I've put together um, a package now that uh, is, I call it the We Need to Talk Extended Family Package. And I, I now have it available. It is live online for people to order. And it's not just for one person. I have in the title the Extended Family Package because there's different family members that are close, there's different family members that live far away, and they all need to have this information so that when things happen, the different kinds of predictable things that happen, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, or relational, When they take place, there's an accurate understanding. The thing that I guess always bothers me, I'm not going to say it drives me crazy, but it's always been a concern is when people misinterpret and misunderstand the things that are happening. And then they develop struggles or problems from that later on in life. And so let me just, I'm going to give you just kind of a run through because it's been a really neat creative project. And I really, I started doing it in January. And one is, I, I have the book that I had written that the person, the family will get a copy of that, the, the regular printed copy. But because you have others that, you know, may live a distance away, I've created some digital downloads for it. One is, I, I have the, uh, the book as a PDF that the people or the family members, any family member can download off of the internet. Uh, through the membership site. And then I created an audio book where I I read the book out loud and have it broken into different sections, the different major chapters. And again, this can be downloaded and put on your phone. You can do it, uh, in essence, kind of as a streaming as well. So that book is available, and everybody in the family, everybody has access to it. Then I created something new, uh, which is uh, end-of-life reports. And these are short little papers that focus on specific questions that, that people would have. Uh, and uh, there's, there's a total of nine reports, six that I've written and, and three that are uh, hard-to-find ones at times, but they're very valuable. Uh, they're produced by uh, Medicare. And so I have uh, those included as well. But it, the topics of these reports are what is hospice care? 10 reasons for choosing hospice at home, the 12 most common hospice myths, the 15 most common hospice diagnoses. Because a lot of times people say, well, hospice is just for cancer. No, that's not the case. And uh, a checklist for choosing a hospice organization. How do you know? Which one to get? Now, whenever I worked, we were the only game in town, but now there's several different ones that are in this area. How do you know if this is the right one for you? Because there are differences. Choosing the right nursing home. Because not everybody's able to stay at home, and there may come a point where the caregivers are not able to do everything. And so I, this one, it's, it's a longer report, and it's basically what I, um, when I'm walking into a nursing home, the things that I look for in making those decisions. Uh, the other reports for Medicare include Medicare hospice benefits, so you know what you're entitled to through the Medicare benefit, uh, nursing home checklists that they provide, And then your guide to choosing a nursing home or other long-term services and support. So there's a lot of these different ones that, again, they're able to be downloaded immediately. Um, Another part of this that I'm really tickled about is a a larger project uh, that is titled Children in Grief. A dear friend of mine and co-worker from hospice, Dawn Mackey, and I, we conducted almost two hours of interviews on the topic of children and grief. Uh, She worked uh, 25 years in the hospice field working primarily in bereavement and doing a lot of work with children. And that's her passion. And so we uh, we have this recorded, uh, videotaped actually, and it is provided as a DVD uh, as well as digital downloads. And it covers the topics of children and grief myths, uh, children and grief basics, when someone is dying, and children in funerals. And so it's a back and forth interview on a long list of different topics and questions and that's designed to help parents of children of different ages understand the grief process and anticipatory grief process that children are going through what some of their actions uh are more accurately interpreted as it's it's just a it's a really neat really neat dvd and digital download and then finally the last part of it is um a book, or a, a small, uh, a small book that uh, I wrote, and it's called "A Time to Pray: Prayers for Those Nearing the End of Life." Um, faith and spirituality and relationship to God or with God has always been a strong um, area of importance in my life, and in hospice, uh, it's something that even if a person has not that 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 has not been a major part of their life, it often does become uh, a bigger part. And so when it comes to praying, a lot of times we may just not know what to pray. And there's a variety of different prayer books, and I was doing a little research on those, and they sound like they sound they sound often stuffy. I guess that's the best way of putting it. And so this book, it includes prayers on different topics, but it's from the first person's perspective. I, I wrote the prayers as uh, putting myself in that person's shoes, putting them, putting myself in their bed, uh, crying out crying out to god and uh they're they're different they're designed to really relate to that person who is in that terminal illness situation and so that is uh again it's a it's a passion part of this passion project so that is that is what what i've put together in this six-month effort to try to do something more on a uh, for a population uh, of patients and family members, so if if you want to check it out, um, if you want to uh, uh, see what I have, if there's people that that are uh, that you believe might benefit from what I'm describing, the website is uh, uh, helpwithterminalillness.com. dot com. And what that does is that takes you to a page where the 12 Myths, the 12 Hospice Myths, is available as a free gift. Uh, you just put in your email and uh, uh, a link is sent uh, so that you can download that. The other parts are are uh, are locked. That's a, a purchase uh, program because I do have expense with this. And... Uh, would like to uh, uh, to make things available, but the you know it is a, a purchase set of items for family members. So that's that's a little bit on a pe- passion project that I've been working on, and we're now at the point. I'm at the point where it's now live, and it's exciting, and I hope that you know people are able to take advantage of it, and I hope that this conversation just about passion is something that you know you're able to to look at as a way of improving or increasing quality time in your life what are the things that that you do that you're passionate about and uh maybe there's something bigger that you're thinking about but gee I don't know if I can do something bigger yeah I bet you you can I bet you you can and maybe this this conversation is is an inspiration so That's all for today. I hope you have a great weekend, and we will talk to you again next week. Take care. Bye.